So if you if you've not had a safe, if you've not shared something intimately deep or painful about your own life to a trusted friend and have it held well, you will only regurgitate that in which you've experienced. And so if you want to be a safe person, you actually have to allow your heart to be held in safety. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, mental health, and wellness, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com. Okay, so guys, this past week, we got to see the pre-screening of Redeeming Love. And I can already tell you, this is going to be one of the best films you see in 2022. For those who aren't familiar, Redeeming Love is based on the classic novel by Francine Rivers, which is based on the book of Hosea and the depths of all redeeming, unconditional love in the face of all odds. It was deep, honest, and had so many layers, and it was just more than I even imagined. I'm still processing some of the takeaways from this film. Plus, the cinematography, can we just talk about that for a minute? The cinematography is breathtaking. It was shot by award-winning filmmakers and was brought to life by a phenomenal cast. So that's all I can say for now. No spoilers here. Just go see the movie when it releases in theaters Friday, January 21st. Get your ticket, save your seat, and maybe get some tissues because it wrecked me, but you're going to love it. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you decided to spend your time here with us today. Today we're talking all about the power of owning your story and walking in the truth. Now, why is this so important to the mental health conversation, this idea of owning our story? Uh, There are many reasons, but mainly, you know, if there are parts of our story that we have tucked away or we're not facing or addressing because of the shame that we feel or the guilt or the doubt or the disqualification because of something we experienced and went through, it really does hold us back, not only from fully showing up for our lives, but also from the power that that could bring to the next person who's experienced the same thing and how incredibly validating and freeing it can be to communally share in our stories with one another, not just the good parts, but also the hard parts. I was listening to this really great podcast episode by Craig Rochelle, just talking about the importance of raw honesty. And, you know, he said, we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. It feels risky, but it's so important. People would rather follow someone who's always real than who's always right. I believe that transparency is definitely a relationship builder, but it also lets people know that they're not alone, that they're not the only ones struggling with a thing that they're struggling with, and they are not crazy in their heads for thinking what they thought or going through what they are going through. And so there's definitely a power to storytelling in conjunction with gospel truth and freedom. And so we're talking about that today with my good friend, Carrie Garcia. You know, there may be some of you who I've gotten tons of messages where there are parts of your story that you want to share, um, where you might be living with a mental health diagnosis or face some mental health challenges or challenges in your life that you really want to help see others to freedom through who might be going through the same thing. You want to incorporate your story with your brand or your message or you want to take the things that you've been through and use that to help others. 
or there may be others of you where, again, there are parts of your story, your narrative, the things that you've been through that you just haven't shared or you're just too afraid to talk about and to be vulnerable about because you're afraid that it will disqualify you in some way or make you look like a failure or whatever it is. And it's holding you back from fully showing up for your life because you continue to hold on to the fact that these parts of your story or what you've been through are reasons why you shouldn't step out or are reasons that disqualify you when in fact those are the very reasons that you should step out, right? Because chances are there are others who will come behind you or are out there right now who are struggling with the same things or have struggled with the same things and just need to know that they're not alone. So today we're talking about why owning our own narrative is so important. We're also talking about how to use wisdom and discernment when it comes to the timing of sharing different parts of our story, right? Not everything is for everybody, and there's sometimes a time and place when it comes to what to share and what not to share, especially if we're still healing through things, so we're talking about that. We're also talking about what happens when we detach from or deny the painful or shameful parts of our story, how that can have a hold on us and ultimately hold us back, as well as what it means to be a safe space and what it looks like to be a safe person for those who are sharing their stories with us especially those parts that may be traumatizing or tragic or difficult, how we can create safe spaces for people to share their stories. There's a lot of just refreshing wisdom and encouragement in this conversation that I can't wait to share with y'all. For those who aren't familiar with our wonderful guest, Carrie Garcia, she is a pastor, life coach, author, and CEO who inspires change in others by boldly sharing her journey to freedom. As a licensed life coach through the International Coach Federation, Carrie is a natural at creating space for others and has been involved in coaching and counseling, whether professionally or informally, for nearly 25 years. Through her nonprofit, Freedom Movement, and its programming, Carrie has fostered an environment where anyone can begin to process and heal, whether they're taking their first step or their last step on the road to freedom. And we are so grateful to have her here today. So without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. I am so excited to have my good friend, Carrie Garcia, on today. How are you doing today? I am, well, we kind of talked before this and it was like, you know, a little crazy, a little crazy getting it, but even just talking to you a few minutes before, I'm like, see, friendships are good. You know, they just ground you. And so I am present and good. Amen. Yeah, I had kind of a <laughs> hectic morning myself, but I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I think it's going to be very grounding for me as well and yeah. be very helpful for those who are listening. You know, you talk a lot about the power of your story um, and also owning your story in Christ and from a faith-based perspective. And um, you do it in a way that is refreshing, that is direct, um, that is accessible, approachable, and down to earth. And so I just love you so much. And I, <laughs> and I want to share you with the world here. So can you tell us a little bit more about your story and what led you to the work that you're doing today? Yeah. I mean, it's such a loaded question, right? What's your story? Right. Um, and, and I think, you know, when I look at this question, cause I get I get this question a lot, like, what is my story? My story is so like pockets, there's just pockets of places where there was deep harm and, and I minimized it. And there's places of deep um, goodness and I minimized it. And, yeah. you know, I, I have a story. I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in the church, uh, grew up with a mom with severe, pretty severe eating disorder and mental illness. And, eventually that, that mental illness, uh, took her life. And so I have a lot of this story where there is a lot of like, how can we make meaning out of tragedy? Mm. But so many of the years was making meaning out of tragedy without actually doing the work and grieving the story. And so I just became like a walking testimony. I'm a recovering addict. I was a, I was a drug addict for almost 10 years of my life. So, you know, the, the church kind of latched onto, oh, great, you're in recovery and we want to hear your testimony. And 
oh great, you have a story of suicide and we want to, to latch on to the story. And no fault to them in the sense of I understand wanting to help people with that. The problem was I never really dove into the story behind the story. Like, why did I do drugs in the first place? What was it like growing up with a mom with such mental illness? What was it like having a father who kind of escaped in ministry? Those things impacted me. And so I'm kind of the totality of a story that, in my opinion, for years was kind of used rather than tended to and healed uh, until I started doing really the, the work of story. And, and again, I was with the therapist for, I've been in therapy for so long, which was really good and layered, really needed layer part of the healing. But it wasn't until I really started diving into the origin stories that I came from that began to shape me, that I really started to see the truth moved away from. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that and, and being so honest and open about your story. I completely hear where you're coming from. And I don't know if it's talked about enough, especially in the the, the church world where it's like we regurgitate our stories. Um, we talk about kind of the before and after, but how much of that have we actually process have we actually healed from or are we doing this kind of spiritual bypassing this this bypassing of that was my story that's what i went through but i'm a new creation in christ now but we still have this lived human experience that we embody and if we don't get the healing if we don't do the deep dive um it can still be manifesting in our lives some of those open wounds um those histories and so uh so i really appreciate that and in light of that, you know, what do you, what would you say is the importance of the, the power of people embracing their story for one, because I know there can also be this erasure of our past. Like it's almost like I'm a new creation. The past is a past. I'm letting that go. I don't want to revisit it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to go there because it's too dark and it's shameful. Um, what's the power of actually owning that instead of yeah, just- Yeah, and they don't want to get stuck there, right? They think they if they go stuck. in there, they're going to, I'm going to stay stuck in it. But the reality is you're living it, whether, you wanna, you're, whether you're wanting to engage it or not, you are living it. So why not step into it so that you can actually have power over it rather than it have power over you? Yeah, I think I just take, I look at Jesus. There was, there's a scripture that talks about Jesus being transformed in, in heaven. He stands there in his full transformed body and yet his hands are outreached and they still bear the scars. And in that I go, man, in the fullness of Jesus's transformation, why on earth would he still bear the scars? Because the scars tell the story mm. of what he's done. And they, they, they tell the story of what's been done on our behalf. And they help us never forget what he has done and the power in which he overcame. And so it overcame death over, you know, overcame the enemy evil. Uh, and so that has to be true for us. That, that even, you know, that scripture that's saying, behold, I'm a new creation that has nothing to do with story. It has everything to do with purpose. Paul's referencing that in saying, I am now a new creation, where it means that the old is gone. It means the old purpose of what I was going for, that, that the purposes that I have had for religion are now being purposed for relationship. And so the context of that scripture has nothing to do with story, to bypass our stories, to actually bypass our sanctification. And so that scripture is taken out of context constantly. But the reality is, as I looked at this work, it's not even so much I, the embracing of our story comes after the engagement of our story. Yeah. So the really the question is, is will you take up the courageous act of engaging the stories that you've either minimized or maximized or avoided or compartmentalized because they are affecting you today and yeah. to not name them and to not have someone witness them for you means that you cannot live in the fullness of your calling to bypass the particularities of your pain is to actually bypass the particularity of your call yeah it, it's it's all connected and thank you so much for sharing that you know i, I actually have like 
a two-part follow-up question to that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, my first one is in like a very public social media world now, I know that there are people who have been through some things who want to share their stories, who knows that it'll help others, but they're also still just very afraid of what people will think of them um, if they share the not only the good, but the bad and the ugly. Um, where do you find confidence in that? Where do you find balance in that? What would you say to encourage that person who's listening now? Yeah, I mean, you can obviously you can speak a lot to this from more of like a therapist perspective, but um, I just kind of always look like, am I sharing from my open wounds or am I sharing of scarring? Like, like, can I share from the scars that I bear? that have had time to be tended to and healed? Or am I sharing from an open wound? Meaning in my sharing is the person I'm sharing with or the people that I'm sharing with, am I requiring of them the need for them to participate in my healing in that moment? And that's where I'm like, ah, like, let's be careful because there's, it's re-traumatizing actually to share publicly in a place that um, you are requiring of the audience or requiring of the social media or requiring of someone to actually come in and start to bring healing to that space when that needs to be done very privately and very tenderly um, in, a, in a very small space with you and the Lord and trusted friend, counselor, whatever. Um, and then we are prompted to go, okay, God, where, where and when do you want me to share? God is actually not always asking you to share every detail of your story. Everything. Yep. He's just not. And some, cause honestly details about your story. And I don't mean this. I mean, I'm a story code. This is what I do. But a lot of times details around your story are somewhat irrelevant uh, because really we're speaking to not irrelevant in our healing, but irrelevant into telling others because really it's not at that moment about the details of our story. It's about the processes of that story, how God has come into that story. And so really being mindful when you've done the previous work, God then gives you the, Hey, this is what I want. This is where I want you to go. And so, yeah, I think, are you sharing from places that haven't been tended to yet? Um, Are you sharing from places that have and now then prompted to, to then share uh, for purposes of really inviting others to do their own work? Yeah, I agree 100% with that. You know, being someone who's been on social media and like public for like a like the past decade and have gone through things publicly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can definitely say one, you don't owe the world or the internet every single detail about your life. Uh, definitely there's a difference between speaking from a healed place and speaking from a place where you're still going through it. And looking back, it's like, if I would have shared some things as I was going through it, I, I did not yet have the maturity and and hindsight of that situation from uh, to pull from that would actually probably be more helpful to others anyway. Um, so definitely sharing from your scars rather than your wounds kind of thing I agree with. And the, the second part question of that I was going to ask because I see this in the faith community as well. Um, and I don't know, maybe... It's, I wouldn't say it's controversial, but I just see two sides of it, right? I, I see the storyteller side where people are like, you know, share your story. It can help someone set some someone else free, what have you. I totally believe in that. And then you have this kind of blank slate idea. Sorry, I'm going to let this plane pass by. <laughs> We're going to edit that, oh, to- Tony. It. Let's edit that part real quick. There was a plane. Okay, so... And then there's this blank slate idea that I see a lot, which is, you know, you shouldn't be making yourself the focus. You know, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's not, it's all about God. You shouldn't be pointing people just to you. You should be pointing people to him. And it's kind of the extreme other side of the pendulum. And, you know, I believe in balance and moderation and all things. And so I'd love to know your thoughts on that, where there is this criticism of, well, you shouldn't be pointing people to yourself. You should only be pointing people to Christ and the gospel, like as if there isn't a helpful and fruitful middle ground in there. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then Paul was a liar. Like, have you heard that, by the way? Have you heard? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I I mean, 
and I think that there's like some validity in when we have become, we're such a narcissistic society. So I, I get that the fear, everything yeah. is driven by fear. The fear of so many people is if you talk too much about yourself, then it becomes about yourself. Uh, and that can be true, right? So God says that Jesus says, I look at the outward appearance or man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So really this is the condition of my heart of, of what is my desire in the sharing? What is my desire in the focus? If you look at Paul, Paul was very clear. Hey, follow me so that I can show you Jesus. For two years, he spoke and said, you need to follow me. You need to follow what I'm doing. You need to follow what I say. You need to follow how I walk and talk and breathe. I mean, if we really wanted to look at it, Paul could look like a narcissist. And yet he was saying, in following me, I will show you Christ. And so we have to understand that we look at the character of Paul, we look at his desire to say, I give up my entire life to serve the gospel and the kingdom of God. And so in that, I want you to see the Jesus in me. It was very clear without any holding back, you follow me so that you can see Christ. Now, I'm going to say boldly as a believer, you follow me to find me, you're going to be sorely mistaken. You are going to be wounded. I'm going to hurt you. I'll let you down. But... You know, I get up and speak often and I'll get done speaking on the line of people that want to talk to me and they'll come up and they'll say, oh my gosh, um, I just want to be like you. I, I, I like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're saying. I know what they're trying to say because the reality is they don't really know me. They don't know the fact that I just yelled at my kids the day before. They don't know that I, you know, continue to struggle with anxiety and depression. They don't really know. Well, they probably do because I share about it a lot. They don't know that I just got in a fight with my husband, whatever it is. Right. But what they're saying in that moment, something happened in their spirit that ignited them to want to engage their more Christ-like places. And so it's beautiful to go, man, when my heart is surrendered to God and I share of what he has done in my story, I bear the scar of what he has done and tell about that, people can't help but go, I want more of what she has. And so it's really like, I think that heart place to not share your story is uh, it, it is unbiblical. Um, and yet to share your story from a place of seek me and follow me is, is cult-like behavior. And that's not what God intended either. So it's really a heart posture of what we're talking about on that flip side, that side of it. And I don't remember the other side you said. There was another pendulum swing. Yeah. It's either like it's super criticized or yeah, I think you, you got that, that it's that. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a heart posture. I think a heart posture of sharing your story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that, that it's a heart posture. And, and the truth is that we need lived examples. You know, we learn by experiences and, and, you know, reading scripture and reading about the life of Christ is great. It can be very abstract for many, especially depending on what you've gone through, um, especially when you feel very alone in your experiences. I know that that's something that I experienced uh in my life, in my past, in my hurts, habits, hangups, where you just feel like you're the only one that these things are happening to, or like, what's wrong with me? Or why am I going through all this or what have you? And then hearing that someone else has been through something similar is incredibly freeing. And seeing that they've healed through that or gone through to the other side, or that there is another side to this, um, specifically when I was younger and I was going through my divorce and separation and becoming a newly single mom and seeing other women who had pushed through that and got through that and the ways in which they did so was very encouraging for me. Um, and so those lived examples, um, they can really, they really can help set someone free as far as giving hope. Hope is so powerful. And I think that's what stories do for us. It doesn't mean that that people are perfect, but it does give us hope that there's another side and there's an, another way that life can look and feel. Um, and that's encouraging. Well, I mean, even think about this, Brittany, like if it was always, if it was just about Jesus, then the Bible would just be about Jesus with no other characters in the we story. We know people. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he created a game. He died. Good night. <laughs> that's it. So believe yeah. it or don't. And it's like, and I love that you said, you know, we don't have to be perfect. Well, who, there is no one. There is no perfect one outside of Jesus. And so the, the whole Bible is full of characters, of misfits, 
that are trying to figure it out and trying to love God in the midst of their brokenness. And so to me to say, well, it's just about Jesus. And I'm like, well, then he really wrote a really terrible guidebook because the guidebook that he's given us is all stories of people, lived experiences, their failings, and God's presence in the midst of their failing. That's there's no no one righteous, no, not one. Like really there's no one. So Right. It is. And we are an embodied people. And so we are in story embodied people with characters in our own story and our own life. And so, yeah, I just think if we're reading through the grid of our own pain, then of course, we're going to see God is distant and far and not involved in our story. But if we actually are going to read it through the intention of what it was meant to be read through is this love affair, this love story with really broken people and a Jesus who is to come close. Um, I think we just start reading it differently and we read our own stories differently. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to shift the conversation very slightly into the realm of mental health because uh, having you specifically, you know, you mentioned you grew up as a pastor's kid and you've touched on mental health. You've even touched on medication and your own experiences. And so having, you know, been in the church for years, speaking, serving, having seen a lot, lived through a lot, um, how do you think, what do you think we do well with mental health in the church? And what do you think we can do better with? The well one is going to be harder for me. Um, things, <laughs> Loaded, things, are, things are changing. Thank things God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think what we do well, I think the church does really well at gathering people. Um, and that's Maybe. important because we need we need broken people. You know, people are all broken and we need them to go gather into a place where we can pour into them. So I think they do that really well. I think uh, the church is moving into a place of more curiosity, which I think is always a good posture. If you are in a place where you know it all, bad posture. 
where you say you don't know anything, so I don't care to know it, bad posture. Uh, but a posture of curiosity, I think, is important. I do think the church is awakening to curiosity around this subject. I, I think where that we need to move, you know, I would love to see the church moving. And this is my life's work is really equipping leaders within the church um, around this. Um, is to understand that we cannot categorize and put uh, compartmentalize people that have mental health, quote unquote, into a room and deal with them. And then we're going to deal with ourselves over here that we have to understand that stories are, are, are going to be riddled with mental health yep. issues. Yep. There is not one person on the face of this planet that has not experienced trauma, not one. So if that's the case, then we actually have to start looking at trauma, not as like big T trauma. I've you know been assaulted. I was molested. Those are really important things that have to be covered and probably need even deeper and more care around it. But across the board, everyone has experienced what it means to feel powerless. And that in its essence is trauma. And that means that every single person in your church is traumatized. And how are you going to, what does trauma need? Trauma needs comfort, it needs care, and it needs a witness. It needs a witness to its pain. Mm -hmm. This we know psychologically begins to heal the brain. You've talked a lot about this. We know that. That's actually not that hard, church. We can do that. We can actually bring comfort and care. It means us being much more quiet. And listening, it means us asking way better questions that are more open rather than direct. We need to create what I call the cocoon for the Holy Spirit to do the transformation. Will you be the safe place for the caterpillar to change into the butterfly? You are called as the church, we are called to be the cocoon. We aren't the fixers, we aren't the transformers, but we are called to be the safe space for the Holy Spirit to have the avenue in which to heal the church needs to understand. It. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we get stuck when we believe that we're supposed to be a person's entire process, you know, and, and then right. because people get, because people don't know exactly what to do, especially with severe mental health challenges, um, they just don't start because they don't know what direction to take. But like you said, if you're leaning in from a posture of just curiosity and humility and just being willing to listen and even just walk with a person through resources, like, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to walk with you to find some answers, to get some help. Um, that's a role that we all could play, you know? And it's huge for yeah. someone's heart. Oh, huge. I mean, Especially to, to in those defining someone... moments. Those, yes. those defining moments where it can go one way and you could just go off the rails or the other way and you can regather, reground and regroup, you know, it, that can be, I know in my life, it's just sometimes just having that one person that, yep. that speaks the right thing into you at the right time or helps and is there for you at the right time that really changes that whole trajectory. Yeah. Like you've brought these stories before to people and they have been rejected, betrayed, exploited, whatever it is. And then you decide to try one more time and you bring that same story and you bring it to someone and that person, whether in the church or outside of the church, but loving of God says, I actually want, actually yeah. want to hold this with you. Something we know this neurologically, like something begins to heal in our brain because God wired us to heal what was broken in relationship actually is healed in relationship. This yep. is the, this is God's wiring for our brain. He knew it. And so you actually have the ability. No one's asking you to be a therapist. No one's asking you to, to have all the answers. And please, if you could hear anything, stop trying to fix everybody. You don't need to, it's actually not your job. But what is beautiful about what you just said is when we hold a story, well, yeah. you actually are giving that person a new memory. All the time I shared this story, it was shared in, you know, I was rejected, exploited, whatever. But I shared this story one time with this woman, Brittany. She was in my church. I didn't even know she was there, you know, trying to be a therapist. I didn't even know she, I didn't know nothing. She was just kind. And yeah. she listened. And now I have a new memory. I have going, I don't, I think that I could have another way to approach this. And I just think it's so powerful. It's not complicated. It's powerful. 
And what you're saying is absolutely right. And we call that a corrective emotional experience. And that's when you've gone through something, maybe you've gone through harm, or like you said, you've opened yourself up to something, or you've been a certain around a certain group of people or in a certain type of relationship, and it was very harmful. You couldn't show up fully as yourself. You couldn't be received safely. But then you go and you re-experience that and with a new group of people with a new in a new relationship uh, we do heal in relationship and community and you're received differently and you're able to heal through that well that corrects that whole experience it actually restores um that that memory it restores that experience in your brain in a new way um that helps pull it together um in a healing way and so it's it's so what's that called corrective corrective, what e- corrective emotional experience yeah so when i hear corrective emotional experience yeah i just think biblically yeah that is the beauty of repentance because mm. we think repentance is bad right like i'm bad i need you know i got how much punishment yeah and when really it's the invitation to to a new pathway yeah it's whatever was keeping me bound i actually get this invitation back to the arms of God, back into the party and the feast that he has for me. And so it's a new pathway of memory. Biblically, you're, you know, which is so beautifully psychologically and biblically, you're mm-hmm. speaking about repentance, the beauty of a corrective memory. I love that. That's so yeah. good. And repentance literally means to turn away, right? Yeah. It's literally to turn away from one path and turn toward another. Turn another And so, you know, you were talking about the importance of being a safe space. That's something that's really important here. And I'd love to know for you, um, what does it mean or look like to be a safe space? Like how can the individual person be a safe space for those around them or be a better safe space for loved ones, their friends, their community? Um, what do you think? I mean, this is my heartbeat. This is my, this is what I do. I, I do a training called freedom Academy and it's pretty much a three day intensive where it's like 50% personal development and 50%, mm-hmm. I call it leadership development. But really, if you love people, you lead people. Everyone thinks yep. they're not a leader, but of course you are. If you love people, you're leading someone. There you um, go. But, but the reality is I, I, that's right there. Amen. I'm just yep. kidding. <laughs> it's so true. People, you lead people. I love it. Period. Period. Sit. Okay. I, I think to answer that is um, you really can't take people farther than you're willing. Mm, true. And so if you want to be a safe space, um, you have to know what it's like to have your own story be held in safety. Mm. And so you you won't operate from that which you don't know. So if you if you've not had a safe, if you've not shared something intimately deep or painful about your own life to a trusted friend and have it held well, you will only regurgitate that in which you've experienced. And so if you want to be a safe person, you actually have to allow your heart to be held in safety. You you can't give that which you don't know. So if you want to be a grace-filled woman and you've never allowed grace to come to you, you actually will probably in turn not give. Um, you might think you are, but ultimately you probably aren't. And so I know for me, um, I am the chronic fixer. It is my origin story. I was wired and bred like a good evangelical to fix everyone and to fight. That's just, you know, what quote unquote, a good evangelical did. We fight the good fight and we save everyone. Um, and, and it was wired through my relationship with my dad is that, okay, my, my mom is really broken. My dad, where does all that intimacy go? Uh, it has to go towards me and I am his person. So uh, that wired me for years to fix everyone. Well, fixing everyone means I'm keeping everyone at bay. Yeah. I'm not actually allowing my own heart to be held. And so it wasn't until I started doing a lot of this work, the, hum- the, the humbling work of allowing my own story to be held, which I fought tooth and nail. I mean, my whole body resisted it because this is risky. I- I'm going to be seen and not loved. I mean, my, my story is in the totality of who I am, my own mom didn't want to stay alive. That's my narrative, right? So my narrative is if you get too close to me, you're going to die or you're going to leave. And so uh, that was so risky for me. But when it was held in the messiness of what it was, the, the, the panic attacks, the heartache, the, the, the brokenness, when it was held, and it was held even moderately well. 
something began to change. I tasted the goodness of the Lord in the tasted his sweetness. I tasted it through the presence of people. And now when I sit in a story, I'm not so presumptuous to think mm -hmm. I know the way. I become much more curious, much more humble, and much more honored yeah. that they are sharing such sacred and because I know what it's like to be terrified. And I know what it's felt like to be wounded. And I know what it's felt like. So yeah. I think if you want to be a safe place, my question will be, have you done? That's so, so, so important. And I do want to like, just sit here for a second, because for those of you who may be fixers, who may be the person that everyone comes to for advice and for help, like I've always been that person as well my whole life. It's really easy to do without allow, because you don't have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. If you're the person who open, you know, who, who allows maybe everyone else to be vulnerable and invites everyone else to be vulnerable, but you're not being vulnerable yourself. You know, um, there is a, a, a stunting of emotional and spiritual growth that's taking place there. Um, you know, with yourself, like you said, um, we receive others better when we know what it feels like to be received, I think. Um, and uh we we can like you said we can kind of only go as deeply with others as we've gone with ourselves it's a reason why therapists are encouraged to have therapists you know yep. um in you know going to school for psych and mental health i went i've been going through therapy the whole time and it's been really helpful to even know and experience okay this is what doesn't feel good to me in therapy this is what does feel good to me this is what's turned me off this is what's been really helpful for me when a person received me in this way when a person responded to me in this way um when we live it then we can learn like what helps and what doesn't help so much because we've experienced it ourselves and therefore we can embody it to be a better help to others and i always kind of say like some people serve a purpose of just teaching you how not to be, you know? That's right. you know like, yeah. if they, and that might mean even be your parents. <laughs> it might be a family member, you know? Um, I feel like any courage, strength, um, resilience, love, what have you, that's grown into me, grown through me, has been through learning from those who have held space for me in the times when I needed it most and they showed me um, what that feels like, you know, it's one thing to know, it's another thing to embody. There's a difference between knowing and embodying and embodying means being vulnerable yourself and knowing that you're worthy of love and support and experiencing that. So you know how to better support those around you. And that's a beautiful thing that we can't, we shouldn't bypass because it's just so easy to hold people at arm's length and help without ever being helped yourself. Um, right but we're better for it when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable too. Then we know what it's like when other people are in a vulnerable space and how to create that safety for them in the same way that we would want for ourselves in the time that we needed it the most. Yeah. Um, so I 1000% believe in basically practicing what you preach, embodying, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. so good. I, I Something that's stirring in me is that, you know, as you're saying you were a fixer, I definitely yeah. was. And you still have to fight it. Like, I, I know that that is my defense mechanism. It's, yeah. it's actually what helped me survive my home is that, it, you know, because to feel and to want and need, um, there's a scarcity there. Like I didn't, I, there wasn't a place for me to actually be broken and needy. I needed to be tough and strong. And so that caused me to actually, this is why I say to not dive into the particularities of your pain is to actually miss the particularities of your calling because you are gifted, Brittany, in what you do. This is a gift that you've been given, but it's been birthed out of pain. Like to, to be a fixer is to know that there was there was scarcity for you, that there wasn't a place of, of, of safety for vulnerability. And so you opted to fix and, and, and can we bless, this is what I say to so many people, can we actually bless the little one that opted in survival to, to, to keep her alive? Mm -hmm. But can we also begin to step into the invitation where God is saying, I actually want you to thrive now so you can lay down some of this survival technique 
and enter into this place of thriving because now Brittany, you and I, we have this like, hell no, not on my watch will yeah. continue to happen, right? Like, because we've tasted such scarcity, but after doing the work and allowing God to tend to us, we've now begun to taste abundance. Yeah. And so where there was brokenness and mm. scarcity and survival techniques, we have now taken God's power and, and really stepped into our own power of going, ah, I can actually use this yeah. for the kingdom of God against. Yeah. It's that feeling of, I, after what I've experienced, after what I've gone through, I will not let within my power as another right. single person go through or experience the harm that I've experienced, you know, and, and that's a big deal. Um, you mentioned, oh, I wanted to say, I really appreciate you talking about the ways in which we cope and survive. You know, uh, something that I always say is like, we don't shame um, the ways in which we did our best to survive with what we have. I mean, now we know better, but you know, um, there are ways that in defense mechanisms and walls and yeah. what have you that we built to survive, uh, but now recognizing you know, you're in safety, you're safe in your body, maybe you're out of that situation. And maybe you're not, uh, you know, not everybody is out of their situation. But um, what have you learning what those um, learning what those mechanisms are that keep you disconnected, um, yeah. in order to reconnect with yourself with God with others, um, to be that safe space as well. And on that note, I just want to close with this question here. Um, having been someone, you and I both, who probably have just been in really dark places and looking forward and being like, I never would have imagined that this is where I would have actually ended up. Um, would not have imagined that I'd be having a mental health podcast talking about mental health or mental health in the church. <laughs> this comes from me struggling with my mental health and being yep. in the middle of mental health crises in the church being on a different, completely different side of life, you know, what encouragement might you have for someone who's listening, whose life didn't turn out as planned, their story did not go as hoped for, and maybe they feel hopeless about the future or like they're still trying to put the pieces together. What would you say to the person who feels like they're in this middle part of the story that feels very stuck? Um, and I don't know, the, the future just looks hazy. They don't know where their story's going because it doesn't look like right. what they thought. Yeah, I don't know one person that their story looks like what they thought it was going to look like. So know that you're in good company there. Mm -hmm. There's not one person out of the many, I've been doing this 26 years, there's not one person I know that like, nope, it's exactly the way I thought, I'm right. crushing it. There's just not been one. Not a um, thing. So, so, nope, so that's not real. Um, it's not true to your to humanity. Uh, so I would, my encouragement, gosh, you know, I am, uh, I am the least of, um, but my encouragement to you is to say one thing I know truer than the skin on my body, the breath in my lungs is that Jesus says that he is faithful, what he begins in you. And I don't think that really means your book deal or your speaking or your <laughs> right. career. Right. I really think that means the internal. He is a radical redirector of the heart. It, here's what I can promise you. If you step into honesty, because that is the first step. I just have to get honest with myself. We look at the prodigal who took all of his stuff. He's sitting with the pigs. He's squandered all of his stuff. You know, everyone in the, 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 the cities know about him. He's kind of the laughing stock. He's the shame kid. He's sitting with pigs. It wasn't this four spiritual laws that brought him back to the father. It was the hunger in his belly. He had to be honest about the fact that. And I think if we can name our own with honesty of, and allow us to I have love for care um, and I'm using all these other things but I want to come in on the good the bad the ugly we know what the father does we know because 
He's waiting at the driveway. He's waiting at the, the walkway. He's waiting with arms wide open. And not only is he waiting for you, but when you come with your head hang, hanging, filled with shame, but you come honest, gosh, he, he puts his, a, a signet, a, a ring on you. He prepares a feast for you. Your back and the journey that he walks with you. And so, look, I know that there's a lot that we all sit in in our story, but the truth of the matter is you are living your story, whether you want to admit it or not. And God is waiting for you. And when you are ready, he will, he will garden like a good gardener. He will not, uh, it is not fast. It is not harsh. It is not, there's no condemnation in it. It is gentle and it is good. And so know that, yeah, you'll be met with arms um, of invitation. Take the first couple steps. You know, and I just want to let that sit there because so many beautiful, beautiful things were said. Um, and I just want to take the time to speak this over you who's listening, you know, in this new year, um, I just claim over you, over all of us that we will not allow shame to tell the narrative of our story. We will not allow fear to control the narrative of our story. We won't allow doubt to control or distort the narrative of our story, um, that we keep our story in God's hands. And, it, you know, it's the whole it's it's not about it's not so much focusing on where we're going, but but who we're going with and the fact that he is mm. cares for you um, and he cares for where you're going. So fix your eyes on him. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. This was absolutely wonderful. I can't wait to re-listen to all of this myself. How can those who are listening stay connected with you in the work you're yeah. doing? We just, I just, I, I would love, I would love to hang out with you guys. I'm in my DMs a lot. I do spend a lot of time there. So you can go to Carrie Scott Garcia on here. Um, and then you can go to CarrieGarcia.com. And I'm also the founder of Freedom Movement we do all things, everything we talked about, all things story related. Um, you can go to freedom underscore movement. or freedom, we are freedom movement.org. Check out them on both sides, carriedersuit.com. Uh, so yeah, those are the places that you can, you can get in touch. Wonderful. Okay, you guys check out Carrie. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, let us know in the review section, you know, if there's anything that spoke to you in today's episode mm. or anything you want to hear more of. So thanks for tuning in guys until next time. <laughs>